Hello, this is Tim Wright from twintangibles.co.uk. Towards the end of 2011, a very successful crowdfunding campaign was run by the Bicycle Academy, a really innovative project founded by a chap called Andrew Denham. I had the opportunity to speak to Andrew just before New Year. We talked about crowdfunding and what he felt made his project particularly successful. This is that interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Andrew, thanks very much for taking the time to speak to us about your project. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit more about what the Bicycle Academy actually is? Okay, um, so the Bicycle Academy is uh, is a place to learn how to make bikes. Uh, so it's a frame-building school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got a bit of a twist on it, I guess, from uh, normal or typical frame building schools in that the first frame that you build you don't actually get to keep so you get taught how to build a bicycle frame uh, by way of um, uh, brazing it's called it's like like welding yeah I guess and um, but rather than getting to keep that you you, you give it away and it goes to uh, charity so it goes to help people in Africa who who really need bikes to to get through their everyday lives so so what gave you that idea um well, it, it, it's a bit silly, really. Um, so I run a, a cycling event in my hometown, an event called the Cobble Wobble. Uh, it's a, a bicycle race up a really steep cobbled hill. And um, I thought it would be really funny to um, try and build a bike, a, a custom bicycle that, that looked like, a bit like a funicular train going up a hill. So I had like a tiny front wheel, a really big rear wheel, so it kind of looked level as it was ascending the hill. And I started looking at frame building courses. And first of all, they're very expensive. And second of all, um, you couldn't really build something silly like that because for two reasons. One, you probably wouldn't want to spend all that money doing so. And, and two, um, it, they're kind of geared up to kind of more typical uh, touring frames or mountain bike frames. So mm-hmm. they, they, it wasn't an option to build, a, I guess, a Franken bike. Um, <laughs> so I had that going on. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and um, so I was thinking about that. And then sim- at the same time, I was also trying to do some work to help various bicycle charities um, and one who distributes bikes in Africa. Yep. And it was apparent that there was a distinct shortage of um, certain types of bikes, so adult um, male bikes, uh, gents bikes, really. Yeah. Um, and, and not only that, really, but the fact that um, when these bikes were being sent out to Africa, that they were being, you know, it's done with the best of intentions, but in, in, um, in many ways, they, they, they take an awful lot of... Um, work to keep these bikes going as you, you may or may not know a bicycle for example the seat post in a bicycle there mm-hmm. are 31 different types of seat posts or di- diameters of seat posts so imagine that across all the other components on a bicycle and all these bikes that are being sent out to Africa um, imagine how difficult it is to keep those bikes running when, yeah. you know, when things go wrong or they break so I had the idea and it's not a new idea wouldn't it be great if there was a standardised bicycle, and I was thinking, well, how could I help make that happen? And the two things really got married together in my head, and I thought, well, hey, well, what about if you went on a frame-building course? And the first frame that you built you was, was kind of this standard bike that, that, that was designed, and, and then it got given away. And to make that work, you would, you know, people would only be willing to do that if there was a bit of a trade-off. So yeah. let's make it a bit cheaper than other frame-building schools. And also, okay. let's allow people to come back and uh, build their own frames as and when they want to so they can make use of the workshop a bit like a hack space yeah. to um, to build their own bikes and, and it all started to balance out really I guess the, 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 
everything seemed to make sense. It, it kind of there was there was a nice philanthropic thread to it, which yeah. um, gave it a heart and a soul. And and but it was also kind of democratizing frame building. It meant that people could do so that otherwise perhaps wouldn't be able to afford to. And um, yeah, and I, and it, I guess these are skills that are that are disappearing as well because uh, a lot of the frames these days are carbon fiber and such like. So yeah. frame building is a is, is a a uh, declining skill probably it is yeah and I mean we're gonna um, I'm only gonna focus on steel biscuit frames because for a number of reasons but I guess the main one is that it's it's far more accessible you you, you can um, brazing is a is a is an accessible method of joining yeah two tubes of metal together and, and so rather than try and be all things to everyone we're gonna we're gonna specialize in steel and um, you can do an awful lot with it um, and it's right. nice and cheap, and um, it makes an awful lot of sense. So, um, but you're right. I mean, these are skills. Even still, bicycle frame building. It, the, the, there was a time when every town in the UK had a, a bicycle yeah. builder. Yeah, my and, grandfather and was one, in fact. So there we go. <laughs> um, and now there's very few of them, really. And there's only two places currently in the UK, other than us, that offer frame building courses. And like I say, they're quite expensive. They're really good. Um, yeah, they're, they're very good. You know, training providers, but most people can't afford to, to do the courses. So you're setting up a bicycle academy that, that you, people can go, they can learn how to build a frame. The first frame goes out to Africa, then they can come back and use their, the facilities again and they've developed the skills. To do that from scratch obviously costs a, a significant amount of capital investment. And the way that you decided to do it was to use crowdfunding. So so what made you want to choose crowdfunding as a method of, of raising funds for this particular scheme? Um, I think it was a number of things. I mean, I, I think crowdfunding, first of all, it's a, it's a really romantic um, way of funding a business. And, a, and, a, and that's a deliberate choice of words. I think there's something absolutely lovely about people kind of rallying together um, to make something happen that they believe in. And I think the Bicycle Academy is something that people... Um, you know, I certainly believe in it, and a, and a lot of people who've kind of joined along the way really do as well. And, and it kind of it made sense that that would be a, a way of funding that might work. Yeah. Um, but there's there's some kind of you know if you, um, you want to be really objective about it, I guess there's. I wasn't hugely keen on going to the banks uh-huh. or looking for an investor because it's, it can be really expensive, sure. and it can mean that you've got this horrible thing looming over your head, which you know can can. Um, Add a lot of pressure, you know. Indeed. Um, and that's not to say that you don't have a responsibility to the people who 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 back you during crowdfunding. You absolutely do, but it's 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 different. The, the yeah. mentality is different. They're not in it simply to make money. In fact, typically crowdfunding isn't equity based, so it's it's reward based. So someone would contribute money to your project in exchange for something. And, and for example, for the Bicycle Academy, we offered a number of. Um, Reward so at twenty pounds someone would get a lovely T-shirt and a couple of other bits and pieces. Um, for fifty pounds they would get a T-shirt and a, and a, 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 a bespoke bag, and uh, right up to kind of a thousand pounds for a one-to-one um, uh, course at the bicycle academy. Yeah. Um, and what, what, what you know what it's allowed me to do really is to um, pre-sell um, almost a year worth of um, course places. Yeah. And um, 
put that money, the, the profit from those courses, straight back in to the Bicycle Academy, and, mm-hmm. and which pays for the startup costs before we've delivered any of the courses. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a backwards way of operating in, in many ways, but it's what makes it so attractive, really, because it means that I have the money now up front, I've been able to invest, or will be able to in the, in the coming weeks, invest in all the, the tooling I need, set up, and, and I've got, you know, and I know I've got people coming to do the courses. And, yeah. That's a, it's, it's an interesting point because uh, this is one of the, the great propositions, I guess, of crowdfunding, uh, particularly for a sort of, if you will, a product-based uh, yeah. enterprise. You're essentially selling pre-sales. So that's, that's, that's yeah. quite a nice, nice way of, of uh, getting yourself into the, the commercial operation. But did that's you know great. much about crowdfunding before you started the campaign? Well, it was something that, I mean, I'd, I'd seen some of the... Um, Quite, you know, almost fairy tale success stories on the name yeah. Kickstarter. Um, yeah, watching um, a number of others, and uh, so I was aware of it because of that. And I think it was something that I mean, when I came up with the idea for the Bicycle Academy, it should be said that you know it wasn't something that I thought would I was going to pursue as a business venture per se. It was just something I wanted to see if I could make happen, and, and yes. potentially even just like a project that was not for profit at all. And, um, but it evolved and it's become something that you know has a lot of potential. So I, I am, you know, making making a business of it. But um, you know, um, crowdfunding seemed quite early on. It seemed to fit. And yeah. So I, I over I came up with the idea in November two thousand and ten, and over the next kind of six to eight months, I did a lot of research into crowdfunding and, and basically just trying to look at other projects and see what worked and, and why it worked and look at other brands as well because I think there are brands that exist that, that um, if they were to crowdfund almost anything now they would they would succeed just because they have the right sort of following it's, it's people who really believe in the brand or the product or, or yeah. you know and you, that's the best I think it, if you want to succeed with a crowdfunding campaign you, you really need to unless you've got some groundbreaking um, product, which in itself people don't need to know anything about where it's come from or what it is, but, you know, or, or you, but they want the thing. Yeah. Unless you've got something like that, um, I think crowdfunding works if you've, you've got a real connection with your with your audience. Yeah. So you, you've got these evangelist um, kind of either customers if you're already trading, or, or, or people who kind of know what it is that you're trying to do and they're, they're, they're supporting you, so supporters. Yeah, they've been um, exposed to the to the to the, the theme and the idea of what it is that you, you're trying to do. Yeah. So and, you, and, sorry, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, well, because over that period of time, I, I'd been blogging and kind of updating people from the very first point of me saying, "Hey, I've got this idea. I think it sounds quite cool. It could be really, it could be really good, a really good thing." People started following that, and then that picked up a momentum, and, and there were, the people who were following it really believed in it. So it meant that I was very fortunate to have those sorts of supporters, I guess. So it, it really fitted that crowdfunding would, you know, should should work for yeah. the bicycle company. So, so you had already uh, before you, you you started the funding process, you had built up a rapport with with followers. You had primed them if you will to, to exactly what it was that the the academy was about you'd got them enthused about it before you had even started uh, uh, talking about or raising the prospect of, of a crowdfunding campaign yeah absolutely and then and then the next stage of that was 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 kind of um, explaining that the crowdfunding was going to come and you know I, I um, in June I think it was um, 
I uh, kind of announced that we were going to crowdfund, and um, June till November. I mean, that's a considerable amount of time to be, uh, you know, um, before the crowdfunding launch to be kind of building up uh, anticipation about it. But yeah. you know, I had a countdown on my website, a countdown clock, and things like that, and people were really excited to the extent that actually, when we did launch. Um, people were falling over themselves to back the project. You know, they, they were so eager to do it. Um, and, and in fact, there was a, it was quite funny. People fund the platform that I, I crowdfunded with. They launched on November the 1st, but the website was actually visible the, the, over the day, I think one or two days before. And, and people were so eager, they'd found the website. And we'd put a couple of test pledges on to, just to check the functionality. Yeah. But people thought that it had gone live, and so they were really worried that they would miss out. So actually, before it was all launched on the Tuesday morning, the, the first, we'd already secured £6,000 worth of pledges that, the, that evening before. Because people had, a couple of people had seen it, and then other people had seen it, and seen that other people were pledging. And, it, and then I had all these emails saying, I thought it wasn't ready yet, and can we go, what will happen? And... You know, which is brilliant. You know, we Super. were very fortunate to be in that position. And you using you using blogging tools? Were you using any other kind of social media tools for for uh, building that that rapport and that that relationship? Yeah, absolutely. So it starts off with a, a, a posterous uh, blog, which then um, and, and then a Facebook page and a, a stress page rather than account, because people often set up like a personal account. Yeah. Um, and and so you know, and that's the wrong thing to do for a number of reasons. One, it's it's not what it's designed for, and actually, it's not fair in terms of people's privacy because you can see a lot more about them than is reasonable as an organisation. You know, you're an organisation; you're not um, you're not operating as an individual. But pages also offer a lot of insights for you know in terms of visitors and, and where they come from, things like that, which which is really beneficial. So, to anyone listening, set up a page, uh, not not a, a, you know yeah. an account particularly, um, but also Twitter and then a website. You know, um, fantastic. Uh, and it, and it's you know. I'm not someone who's an expert at these things, but the thing, the lessons I've learned in that time is, is something, and I still do it. I, I refer to we as opposed to I. When, when, when you're starting a thing and this thing's bigger than you, so it's an organisation, and even if it is just you doing it, people often say, "Oh, we're doing this, or we're planning on doing that," and it makes them feel good, and it may, it, it, it seems like it gives the whole thing credibility. But to be honest, I don't think it does. And one of the lessons I've learned over the past few months is that actually just say I, I'm doing this or I'm doing that and sign off with your name because ultimately um, it is you doing it probably yep. and um, it's important to create that connection and, and you know um, yeah yeah, that so personal side of things then. I don't know what I'm <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great, now you mentioned that you used, the platform that you used was uh, people fund dot it so uh, what 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 made you choose that particular uh, platform um, and, well it was quite exciting really I was approached by somebody involved in in the project at in in June when I was at um, bespoke Bristol the handmade bicycle show and and they had you know I'd spoken to them about the Bicycle Academy and they, and they explained that they were starting this crowdfunding platform and that it would be ideal for me to crowdfund on, on their platform. Yeah. So I wanted to learn a bit more about it. And, and it, People Fund is, um, has been created by uh, Keo, K-E-O Digital, which is um, part of, it, it's part of the River Cottage Group, I guess yes. is the best way of describing it. So it's something which is um, Hugh Fenley-Whittenstall is involved in running and, and 
they're responsible for river cottage, fish fight, energy share, land share. So, so um, to put this to put this in context for an international audience, that these are these are very high profile organisations in the UK. Certainly, uh, Hugh Fernley Whittingstall, a very well known television personality within the UK. Yeah, absolutely, and they've got they've got a hell of a lot of credibility, and rightly so. They're very accomplished, and um, it was. I mean, there are a number of other. Um, crowdfunding platforms in the UK. It should be said that Kickstarter in the UK are not able to create a, a, a Kickstarter project from the UK unless you have a US bank account. So Indeed. Um, that immediately closes that off. And I believe that's something which is likely to change in the next year or so. But at the moment, there's a limited number of them. And actually, crowdfunding is relatively young in the UK. And there aren't that many projects that have been started, not that many that have been successful, and also of those that have not that many that were looking or have raised the amount of money that I needed to. Yeah. So it wasn't as if there was an obvious um, choice in the UK, and, and people fund were were new and and they were launching, and they, I was selected, or the bicycle Academy was selected as one of their twelve launch projects. So that was all very exciting, um, and. Um, it was a bit of a gamble, I guess, ultimately, but everything kind of felt right. You know, I, I, yeah. I believe in what they do outside of people fund, so I thought it was a, it was a good fit. Great. Okay, and, well, to cut a long story short, yours was a rip-roaring success, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, we were, I think it's 66% funded within 24 hours. Uh, we needed to raise £40,000, I should say. Yeah. And we would have been 100% funded in three days, but I ran out of... Um, course places I'd, I'd put a cap on the number of course places we offered and just because I wanted to see what happened really we might have sold lots of um, the kind of the smaller pledges or you know but um, I got such so many emails and phone calls from people begging me to kind of release more that um, I did and so we, we were 100% funded in five and a half days fantastic which, um, so and it, it was the first ever people fund project to be funded it's the most funded UK reward-based crowdfunding project and I believe it's the fastest funded of something over you know a thousand pounds but I'm sure that's changing all the time so these things you know those claims might 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 have changed by now but certainly you know I mean it was only a month or so ago so I yeah. imagine it's still the case well it certainly attracted a, a good deal of attention hence us uh, speaking to you about it because it is such a, a recognized and successful campaign you've you've said that you'd done you you did quite a lot of um preamble and, and preparation work and that you feel this was uh, useful in, in making your, your pro- project a success. Are there any other factors, do you think, that uh, uh, helped make this a particularly good and successful campaign? Um, I, I think it all does... Well, there's two things, really. I mean, it, you, um, you have to have something that people believe in. Um, so... Um, I don't know. The, the, what I'm trying to do with the Bicycle Academy is 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 they're quite noble things to be doing. So I'm I'm, uh, and that's not me being, you know, um, what's the word? I'm not. It's, uh, sorry, I'm no, not kind of self promoting by saying that in an unreasonable thing. You know, I'm trying to generate bikes for people who need them, really need them, and I'm doing that um, at cost. You know, that's, that's yes. something which I'm donating. Um, I'm 
taking far less money than I could for these courses but, um, to make the courses more accessible to a wider range of people. You know, so I'm not personally I'm not personally going to be drawing any money from the project for the first year because mm-hmm. um, I've I've um, planned it such that, that, that there isn't enough money to do that because all the money that there is goes straight back into it. And uh-huh. but but it is a profit making business, so it's not just a charity. And and I think that's important as well because you know it, for it to work in the long run it needs to sustain my involvement and so that means that you know I have to um, be able to generate some kind of way of living from that but people, I think people really respected that and I think a lot of people that those kind of values resonated with people you know we're making uh, we're, we're making a skill that's a wonderful skill accessible to people that otherwise would, would just simply wouldn't get the chance to do it yeah. and whilst doing so they're doing something really good for someone else and that's I think it's it's a, a nice complete circle. Everybody gets something from from the process. So yeah. we generate bikes. People who need them, people ge- generate. You know, have learned skills for themselves, and they, and they create an opportunity for themselves to go on and, and continue to build frames. And and if we do a good job, then I get to make a living ultimately from it. Fantastic. Um, but you yeah. also you had quite a range of rewards available, didn't you? Yeah, uh, and I think yeah. I mean, you've got to appreciate that people. I mean, I was asking. Five hundred pounds for a course, and, and while that's very reasonable for a frame building course, it's it's an awful lot of money, for, you know. Yes. And there's lots of people who who support the bicycle academy who simply can't or take a course. So it's important to offer kind of a broad range. So we had pledges. We I've done it again. See, I had uh, I offered pledges from uh, twenty, fifty, hundred and fifty, three hundred, five hundred, one thousand, and two thousand pounds. And the only pledge tier that wasn't uh, taken was a two thousand pound yeah. pledge tier, um, and um, but every other pledge uh, we so we, we sold out of the thousand pound pledges. We we sold out of the five hundred pound pledges. Uh, a large number of three hundred, one hundred and fifties, and and scores of, of of the smaller ones as well. So there's a real diversity there, so that people with different tastes, different requirements. Some people want to build a frame. Some people won't. You know, you you had something for all, really. Yeah, and it's important to understand, you know, people, while I've talked about kind of the noble aspects of the Bicycle Academy, the people who back it, they, then not everybody does it, you know, in fact, most people don't do it to be purely philanthropic. They're doing it because they want something in return. In return, it's an exchange. So just as an equity investor would, would expect equity, you know, no. um, you, you would expect the, the people who do this, most of them, uh, the vast majority, want something in return. But yeah. it, it must be said that some... Some don't. So, uh, you know, there was an option when people backed the project to, um, there was two things that people could do. They could they could say that they don't want a reward, so they just want to give the money. Yep. Or they could say that they'd like to pledge more money than than, than the reward. So if okay. they could pledge £60 for a £50 reward, for example. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really heartwarming because there were, a, you know, a reasonable number of people who did that, actually. Um, so you had both um, tangible and intangible returns, I guess, really. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, how much work was it in action? I mean, it, I know it was all over in kind of six days, but uh, how much work was there in and actually uh, setting the thing up? If you take it in the whole, in the the sort yeah. of lead up to it, uh, and and actually running it during the course of the six days, was it straightforward? Did it take more than you thought, or less than you thought? Um, yeah, I mean, it's incredibly intensive. You, you, I can't overstate how much work was involved in 
simply dealing with people's con- you know, so people who wanted to contact me uh, during that period of time. So yeah. backers, um, various media outlets who'd kind of picked up the story as it was, um, you, you know, uh, being published by other media outlets and clearly gaining quite a lot of interest. And um, and of course, you want to. It's absolutely crucial that you speak to everybody and you email and reply to everybody, and that you because they're you know. It, Crowdfunding is a, it's a, it's done over a finite period of time, so you don't have a second chance. You've got to take every opportunity, and, and um, so I was, I have a day job, and I still do, and and I was trying to juggle the two, and I did a very bad job in that week. Except <laughs> I had to kind of retrospectively sign off a lot of my time to holiday and kind of grovel a little bit with my boss and apologise for the, the impact that it had. Um, but kind of leading up to it, I mean. Um, this is going to sound a bit silly, but it's absolutely true. So I was, I was working for well, a five-day week condensed into four. So I would get to work at nine and get and leave work at between eight and eight fifteen, and then I would get home and I would work almost every evening until three three thirty in the morning, and then be back at work at nine the yeah. next day, and that was time spent doing everything from promoting, conceiving the idea. And, but not just obviously the conception of the ideas are done very early, at very early stages. But you need to evolve, you need to, for it to evolve and become something that's tangibly viable. So, and that takes an awful lot of time because you have to plan. You're planning a business, yes. And, because you, it's important to state that you know crowdfunding isn't something you do once you've had a great idea. And then you think, well, I've got lots of people who, who maybe know who I am or who follow me or who would like this. I'm going to just give it a go because. Even if you succeed with the crowdfunding, you're very unlikely to succeed with the business unless you forced it through fully because you might have overcommitted yourself. So it was very important. It took a lot of time to try and understand how much money I needed to raise to be able to have a, 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 a known amount of money to be able to spend to set up the, the bicycle academy. And, and yeah. um, so I guess from June through till November, I was working. At least thirty hours a week, at the, at the at the very least, up to at sometimes forty to fifty hours a week in you know on the bicycle academy. Yeah. And and lots of that isn't you know say your computer working. You're speaking to people. You're meeting people. But it's all you know. It's time not doing other things. Absolutely. So you know. Yeah. So would you advise anybody else to use crowdfunding? Do you think it's a sensible method? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's. Um, it's a one. It's a wonderful way of of, of um, realizing a project. Um, to you know, the the fact that you generate these backers who who are become evangelists for your project and and your potentially your business and and that that that's something which some brands never have actually. Yeah. And and you and if you do it right, you can get them straight away. But the whole it's really important. You can't. None of it can be contrived. So. You can't fake passion for something, and you can't fake the, the the thing that resonates with people. You can try, and you might get away with it to a certain degree, but it will it will quickly become apparent. So, I don't think crowdfunding is right for every business. So, um, you know, if you've got a very straightforward profit-making business that's focused on profit and not much else, and it, it perhaps sells on something, you distribute a thing that you buy in, and you don't have anything to do with it. You know, those sorts of businesses, they're fine, and that's great, and they're means to. To, to that end, but I don't think they would work well with crowdfunding. I think crowdfunding works well if you've got something that's special. Yeah. So be it a unique product, 
or a service or what something that you're trying to achieve that's kind of greater than than that. Yeah, um, it's a then I think it's ideal. Yeah. Okay. And and if somebody is going to run a crowdfunding campaign, given that you were a, a great success, and we we think we've identified some of the factors in that. If you were going to advise somebody uh, who was taking up a crowdfunding project, what would you advise them to avoid doing? Um, don't overcommit. Be very realistic. Um, so it, you might have the best of intentions to get to, to, to deliver upon the rewards that people have pledged for um, by a certain amount of time, but add a really healthy buffer. Yeah. So that's the first thing, because otherwise their first real experience of your project will be one of disappointment as they inevitably get their reward far later than they expected. So you can do that by being very vague, deliberately, or, or by giving yourself a lot of room. Yeah. Um, be completely honest. It, you know, don't... I don't, don't feel that you should... You know, you're not going to benefit in the slightest by giving, trying to tow a corporate line or, or you know, as it, you might, you know... Be open. So if you think that something... If you if you um, don't know how to do something as part of your so say for example you've you've got the idea for the bicycle academy and you know how to do everything but you don't know how to, to you don't know where to get your frame building jigs from you know in in my case that might have been the case so yeah. say that I, I know how to do all of this but I don't know about this bit but I'm I'm going to learn you know or I could do with some help so, you know something that's happened. I've had over 300 man hours pledged to, to the Bicycle Academy from backers. So that's some of that's... which is labor, but a lot of which is, is kind of skilled advice, yeah. uh, health and safety advice for, for running a workshop and all sorts of things which are incredibly valuable Absolutely. To, to the project. Um, because I said that, you know, because I was open about it and I said, look, you know, um, I could do with some help. Um, and finally, um, consider consider the whole thing as an exchange. It Don't see it as something that backers are going to do for purely altruistic or, or philanthropic reasons. So it should so assess whether or not you feel that the reward that you, you're offering is really fair, and it should be something that's better than they would be able to achieve outside of the crowdfunding. So yeah. if you have a product, so for example, our courses would normally be £600, which is still significantly cheaper than our competitors, I guess, but um, we were offering them, or I was offering them for £500, and with a number of other rewards in addition. So it makes it very attractive and it encourages yeah. people to, um, to to back the project. Yeah. Fantastic. Look, that's really interesting and very helpful. And I'm sure lots of people that uh, are listening to this or reading this uh, will see this as an inspiration to go out and do their own crowdfunding project and hopefully can draw on some of the lessons that you shared there. Would you do it again, Andrew? Yeah, I will. And I, um, and I say I, and so I will as opposed to I would. I, you know, I can see there being a phase in the Biosteel Academy's future when it would really benefit again from crowdfunding. And, um, you know, I have a, not, a lot of the right ingredients in that uh, I've got this wonderful um, group of people who, who really believe in the Biosteel Academy who, who have already backed it. And as long as I can deliver on everything I promised, then um, I can't see any reason why they wouldn't be open to doing the same again, if, you know, at the right time. So there's there's times in its future where I can see it happening again for sure great well look thank you very much indeed for taking the time to speak to us today Andrew and uh, we wish you well with the the Bicycle Academy and uh, hopefully if you're running some more crowdfunding projects in the future um, then we can uh, hear more about those and and hear more about your success so if anybody wants to find out more about the Bicycle Academy where do they go 
Okay, so um, our website is www.thebicycleacademy.org. Um, I'm on Twitter as at Bicycle Academy, um, and w there's a Facebook uh, page, etc., etc. So just once you've got to the website, you can you can you Pick can find up out everything else from there. Brilliant. Okay, then, Andrew, thanks very much for speaking to us. Uh, no that's problem. terrific. Thank you. Cheers. Bye bye. So there you have it. A really innovative and exciting project called the Bicycle Academy and a great champion for crowdfunding in Andrew Denham. I hope you enjoyed the interview. This was a Twin Tangibles production for Social Media Week. My name's Tim Wright and I'm from twintangibles.co.uk. Thanks for listening.